9 o'clock. How you doing, pal? Jim along with the Buckeye Boy today from the Bozart Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. The most trusted name in automobiles. It's Wine About a Wednesday with Talon Wine. An airing of grievances today. That's what it's all about on this program. He just probably got a complaint today. Jimmy Garoppolo. Remember when Jimmy Garoppolo was going to be probably, from a quarterback standpoint, the, the big offseason get right for a lot of teams? Jets, maybe the Saints. Yeah. And then the Raiders released Derek Carr. The Packers are sick and tired of Aaron Rodgers' mm-hmm. act. And now it's like, okay, where's, where's Jimmy Garoppolo going to go? Who wants Jimmy Garoppolo? Jets met with Derek Carr. They're, apparently there's a little bromance yeah. brewing there, though his brother David says it's it's not going to be a quick decision. It's going to it's gonna be a lengthy courtship between him and the Saints and the Jets because he's of course, met with because both. because the Carr family doesn't do anything just kind of, you know, with any haste. And now you have Aaron Rodgers, who looks like it could very well be a case where he is going to be leaving the Packers. Lamar Lamar Jackson. <laughs> that that relationship is bad in Baltimore. He could get traded someplace. For Jimmy Garoppolo, you're like, wait a minute, I, one, moment, one moment, I was the guy, right? I was going to be the, the prize off-season quarterback mm-hmm. acquisition. And now that's not the case. Got one from uh, Rob today on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. 970-242-1340. Whining about the stinking wind. Tell Beetle to keep it in his backyard. Oh, I'm sure I'll be talking to Beetleman soon. Another uh, Davis and Beetle podcast forthcoming in the very near future. I'll, I'll let him know that, Rob. All right, it's uh, 9.02, and we open up uh, the 9 o'clock hour every Wednesday with the voice of the CSU Rams, Brian Roth. Talking CSU with the voice of the Rams, Brian Roth, on the Jim Davis Show. With us on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line, Brian Roth. Good morning, Brian. How are you? Good. Happy Wednesday. Happy happy Wednesday to you. It would have been happier if the trip to San Diego would have been, um, well, a little more fruitful for the Rams. Uh, unfortunately, losing to San Diego State, 77-58. to 58. Uh, You're not, you're not going to beat a ranked team when you turn it over 16 times. 18 fouls led to 23 free throw attempts. Not a, not a good night for the Rams, Brian. Well, no, it wasn't. It was going to be a tough night no matter what going into that game. I mean, look, San Diego State's really, really good. And uh, they're now 22-5 and on the season. And according to the net rankings, they have played the fourth toughest schedule in the entire nation. And they're still 21-5. and I think they should be ranked higher. Um, but, you know, the AP voters across the, the, the nation, you know, you lose one game in the Mountain West Conference, even if it's to a top-tier team, you drop out of the top 25. That's the way it goes. And other conferences, you you lose to somebody in your conference, and uh, you, you you don't drop. And that's just the reality of the situation. But San Diego State's really good. And we knew CSU was going to have to go in last night and play probably a perfect basketball game to win there. Uh, in Viejas Arena, it's a place where San Diego State, in their last 66 games, has gone 61-5. and five. So, I mean, you know, it, it was a tall, tall order. And then, yeah, you mentioned the turnovers the, the whistle wasn't exactly kind to Colorado State but of course you're never going to get a good whistle going into a place like uh, Viejas Arena I think the foul count at one point was like 13 to 3 um, and this San Diego State team that's uber aggressive um, 
So, you know, I mean, listen, the refs didn't lose the game, but what I'm saying is that, you know, you you turn it over, you didn't get a favorable whistle to begin with, and then, you know, you look at the other numbers, and, and they're actually right there, but the fact of the matter is Colorado State was simply overwhelmed last night in San Diego State, and a lot of teams this year have been overwhelmed yeah. when they face standard. Yeah, not just CSU. Uh, other teams in the Mountain West have, have suffered a, a similar fate. And, and look, when you give them 23 free throw attempts and they cash in on, on 19, that but that's, that hurts. I mean, it's, it's tough to get them to the foul line 23 times, but they give uh, the Aztecs credit. They cashed in. They shot 82% from the stripe last night. Yeah, and that's what good teams do. And, you know, the thing that um, when you look at San Diego State, what makes them good, and obviously, you know, they been the top program in the Mountain West Conference over the last really two decades. Uh, they are just so good defensively, obviously. But then this year they are really, really deep. And in fact, they came into the game last night, Jim, uh, averaging 27 points off the bench here this season. That's number one in the uh, Mountain West, number 25 in the nation. And man, they just are stocked with dudes at every position. And you know, the, the, the big man, the post player, Nathan Mensah, who is the reigning Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year, and he's such a gifted defensive player. He's so good. Picked up two fouls in the first three minutes of the game last night, and he sat the rest of the first half. And what do they do? They roll in a guy named Jaden Ledee, who is a transfer from TCU, who goes 6'9", 240, who had a career night that scored 14 points. So, you know, CSU's not very deep. Right, and we know that the Rams at times have played with seven scholarship players due to injuries and other factors. And you know, when you when you're out there running against San Diego State, that you're playing a lot of the same guys. You know, 30, 32, 33 minutes. Man, the Aztecs they they sub out their starters and they roll in a fresh wave of dudes. And uh, last night, uh, their bench had thirty six points, and. Um, it was 30, 35 points off the bench. So, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it, and their depth is certainly one of those factors. They just keep coming at you in waves. Brian Roth, voice of CSU Rams, joining us. Rams falling last night to uh, number 22, San Diego State, 77-58 to 58 out in San Diego. Uh, John Tanjay led the way with, uh, with 18 points, but uh, Isaiah Stevens had 15 last night, but he moves into second place all-time in uh, program history with 1,697 points. So Isaiah Stevens continues to put his name in the Rams record book. Well, he does. And, you know, he still has that COVID year in his back pocket too, Jim. So um, he doesn't know what he's going to do. I've talked to Isaiah about it. He said, man, I don't know. It's just something me and my family are going to have to talk about at the end of the season. Um, Would he get a look in the NBA? Sure. Um, I think he'll get a look. Can he play in the NBA? Maybe. I mean that was yet to be seen. He's uh, is only six feet, so that's uh, that's an issue for him. But that's a guy that's gonna if he doesn't go in the NBA and 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 play in the highest league in the world, he will go over to Europe and make a fine fine living, a fine six figure living for a long time. So uh, you know he he's got a decision to make at the end of the year, but. You, know, you you start taking a look at the record books, and you mentioned up now to number two scoring. He's already the all-time assist leader at Colorado State. Um, he is going to fall short of the all-time game started um, if he if he doesn't return next year. But if he does return next year and he's healthy, 
uh, first of all, it's going to make CSU, you know, a, a team that is going to be a factor in the Mountain West. Obviously, they're going to revamp their roster. But, uh, you know, if he's healthy and comes back next year and uh, plays 30 games again for the Rams, <laughs> Isaiah Stevens' name is going to uh, be right up there at the top of the list on many, many of those uh, records at Colorado State, including career scoring, which is currently held by uh, the great Pat Durham, who played on some of those Boyd Grant NCAA tournament teams in the uh, late 80s and into 1990. Voice of CSU Rams, Brian Roth with us today on the Team Sports Network. Coming up Friday at Moby, it's uh, Wyoming, and uh, always you know, a, a huge matchup, border war showdown between the Cowboys and the Rams. And that uh, heartbreaking one-point loss at Laramie, uh, you know, back on uh, on January twenty-first, fifty-eight-fifty-seven uh, loss. Rams looking for a little payback coming up uh, Friday when the Cowboys come calling. Well, they are, and and let me also say this, Jim. You know, the Rams did get a road win on Saturday too. So, uh, <laughs> so let's let's you know let's, let's talk about that for a, for a we, moment. We can do that. They got a great come from behind road win at Fresno on Saturday too. So well, I'm sorry to leave that. <laughs> I, mean, I know out. it's a whine about a Wednesday. Let's let's. <laughs> Let's uh, not not go all negative here, right? Well, well exactly. I'm I'm sorry. I, don't, I'm, I did not mean to offend you or Ram Nation, my friend. With the yeah, the not mentioning the three point win uh, at Fresno State on Saturday. That's right. Listen, listen. In a season like the Rams are having, when you have wins, they are to be celebrated because they have been few and far between. And I know what you're saying, Brian. Like, damn it, damn it, Jim. Let me enjoy something nice here today, okay? You're just talking about lost right. to San Diego State last night. How much they got to the foul line? Please tell us more about the win at Fresno State. Yeah, well, no, this, they got to win at Fresno State. It was a good, but they were down 11 in the second half, and down seven with a minute 34 to go, and uh, you know, Fresno State missed the front end of a couple one and ones, and it kept the Rams in it, and. Uh, yeah, they were able to, to get the victory. So it was fun. It was good. This group has lost a lot of close games this year. Uh, obviously, last night, not a close game against San Diego State, but they've lost well, the first meeting against San Diego State. You know, Rams had a nine-point second-half lead, and San Diego State forced overtime in the loss to the Aztecs in overtime. So there's been a lot of close games this year where CSU hasn't been able to, to pull it out. But for them to be able to do that at Fresno State, I know um, we certainly put a little pep in the step of the, of the guys coming down the stretch of a tough season. So, uh, always fun, always, when you can get a road win. It doesn't matter at what level it is, high school, junior college, uh, Division two, Division one. road wins are sweet, and the Rams were able to pick one up on Saturday. But, yeah, you, you mentioned the border work coming up on, on Friday night, so, you know, you get the Cowboys coming in, and but you talk about uh, the season where the bottom fell out, and the Cowboys were picked in the second in the Mountain West Conference, Lost Graham E.K., preseason player of the year, before the season even started. He has shut it down. He'll go without playing a single second here this year. They've had some uh, guys that transferred in from USC and UCLA that have now transferred right back out. This is where the transfer portal can get really, really tricky on you. And so it's been a miserable season for Wyoming. It's been a miserable season for Colorado State, who was picked to finish fourth in the preseason poll in the Mountain West Conference. And, uh, you know, how do you uh, remedy that, right? How, how do you feel good about your season just a little bit? You beat your rival. And Wyoming was able to do that in a one-point game and a, and a foul that was called with under three seconds to go in a tie game down the stretch up in Laramie a month ago. And now they come to, to Moby Arena. And CSU has a chance, and again, 
Yeah, you win at Fresno, road win, you feel a little bit better about the season. Well, you can beat Wyoming on Friday night, your rival. It's going to make you feel just a little bit better in, in an otherwise uh, you know, dark and, and, and cloudy year. So should be fun. Uh, it's it's going to be close to a sellout. Uh, it's going to be an orange out on Friday night. So it should be a great basketball atmosphere. And, again, you know, the old cliche, you throw out the records and, and you, you go at it against your rival in front of a, in front of a packed barn. It should be fun. Absolutely. Should be a great game coming up Friday night uh, when the Rams host Wyoming. Brian Roth, voice of the CSU Rams with us. You're out at San Diego, and um, George Klavikoff, the Pac-12 commissioner, has visited San Diego State. He's also talked with uh, SMU about possibly joining the Pac-12. Did you hear anything about that when you were out at San Diego State last night? Yeah, just talking to some of the folks that cover the the Aztecs, just from what they're hearing, they they believe that's almost a done deal, that San Diego State's going to go to the Pac-12. But San Diego State, I mean, it, it's a it's a university that has grown. It's uh, it's an athletic department and a university that's thrown a, a lot of money and resources towards their, their athletics. They just built a brand-new uh, football stadium. Uh, they tore down the old Qualcomm Stadium, the old Jack Murphy Stadium, right? They're in Mission Valley. Uh, you know, Broncos won a Super Bowl there yeah. back in 1998. That place does not exist anymore. And San Diego State bought that entire piece of land, and they're building a second campus there. And part of the second campus is a brand-new football stadium that opened here in um, September. So, you know, the, the basketball arena is very, very nice. Uh, they, they have baseball. They, they have a lot of other things going forward. It's in San Diego. Obviously, the Pac-12 is going to be without the Southern California market when USC and UCLA go, and so you know it's just a, it's it's a natural fit. And and San Diego State Athletics and the football team has been solid. Basketball program, uh, you can make the case, has been better than anybody in the Pac-12 consistently. Now, obviously, you know UCLA has made a a, a couple of runs here and there, but like consistently, it's been the best basketball program. Outside of Gonzaga, you know, uh, on, on you know west of the of the Rocky Mountains, so it's it's a natural fit, and I, I think that's going to happen. The question is, what what is the Pac-12 going to look like? Right? I mean, it's, is true. Washington or are they going to be there? Washington and Oregon are they going to be there? Right? What's Cal and Stanford doing? Uh, I mean, so you know, you can read any number of articles throughout the course of a, a day, and everybody's speculating on. You know who's doing what, but 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 I do believe that San Diego State will make the jump to the Pac-12 as it stands right now. Well, and Craig Thompson, no longer the Mountain West Conference Commissioner, Gloria Neverez is, and so she she faces a challenge of, of maybe losing a, a member school, and at some point maybe Boise State makes uh, that that decision as well, depending on where they might end up going. But that's uh, that's a challenge for her. She takes over as the Mountain West Commissioner of of trying to keep the, the, the schools in the conference together and maybe even for the Mountain West looking at, at some kind of expansion. Yeah, I mean, certainly if you start losing schools, the Mountain West will have to do something. And uh, you bring up Boise State, we'll see. I don't know. I don't know if Boise State, I mean, they obviously they have a national brand in football, but, um, you know, they're, they're, they're up in Boise, Idaho. They're secluded. The TV market's not the biggest market. And, and so, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but, the biggest factor that goes into any of this is if TV deems you as somebody that can that can bring value to the table, right? I mean, that's, that's what it's about. And, and you know, the, the, 
the thing that's kind of sad in all this is that Colorado State, if you look back six years ago, was was poised to, to be right there. And remember there was expansion talk going on around 2015, 2016, and Colorado State was, was in those conversations. And, and the Big 12 uh, formally said, hey, um, you know, send in your proposals. We'll take a look at them. I've talked to Joe Parker, AD at CSU, about this at, at length. And, you know, CSU was, was down to one of the final, final six teams that the Big 12 was talking about, and then they decided to scrap expansion. And, but, the, the, but CSU was right there. Brand new stadium in 2017, and you needed football success. And the Rams were on the verge of a 10-win season in 2017. The bottom fell out at the end of that year. They had some bad luck. Um, you know, and you just think back, if Mike Bobo could have popped that 2017 season, kept that rolling into 18, obviously he got, he got sick in the middle of fall camp, and, and that just derailed that season. Uh, but football, if, it, if, if you could have struck with football and had some success over the last five years with football, yeah, I think Colorado State is, is being thrown out there as a, as a possible expansion uh, team for, you know, what, whether it be the Big 12 to get into uh, the mountain time zone with BYU or if it's a Pac-12. But unfortunately for Colorado State, the football program has just been awful. I haven't had a winning season since 2017, and when you don't win, you don't bring eyeballs to the TV sets, and, you know, all of a sudden Colorado State is, is, is a non-factor. It's, it's really too bad, but it is the reality of the situation. But um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, I, I, I don't have a crystal ball in order to anybody else. I have no idea what's the, what this is going to look like and what the Pac-12 or Big 12 and the Mountain West are all going to look like come uh, two years from now. Uh, college football, college sports landscapes uh, ever-changing. It seems like it goes from, from week to week, month to month, uh, about what, uh, what the conferences look like uh, in college sports. Hey, Brian, I always appreciate the time. Uh, thank you so much. Have a great call coming up Friday with the, the Border War with the Rams and the Cowboys. Appreciate it, man. All right, will do. Thanks, Jim. See you. All right, Brian Roth, voice of the CSU Rams. I, I wasn't, didn't mean to offend about Fresno State. Good win. Three-point victory for the Rams on the road last Saturday. All right, 918, Jim along with the Buckeye boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. It is a wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine. It's something you need to get off your chest today. Today is the day to do it. Text or call us, 970-242-1340. Well, why don't you cry about it? All right, coming up next. Fertile Monument boys basketball coach Jake Aguirre will join us. Wildcat boys take on Fairview tonight to open up the 6A tournament. That's on the way next on the Team Sports Network. Cuckoo, loony, and crazy. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Talking Fruta Monument boys basketball with coach Jake Aguirre on the team. Jake Aguirre brought to you by the Rick Nelson Agency and American Family Insurance. For a free comparison, call this team of licensed professionals at 970-241-0078. Jake Aguirre joins us on the Chick-fil-A Breakfast Team phone line. Jake, I always appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on with us this morning. Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing fine. Well, well first off, congratulations on winning the Southwestern League title and uh, wrapped it up with uh, a good win uh, at Durango, uh, getting the victory there 68-51. to So, I mean, you look where your basketball team is right now. You uh, you head into the postseason on a, on a five game winning streak. You have to love the way your kids responded after that loss to Grand Junction to go out and finish the way they did. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was uh, it was a tough one. 
and uh, it, it was good. You know, we had a bounce back game uh, against Central right after that, and so we really didn't have uh, too long to feel sorry for ourselves. So um, it, it's been a nice little run here, but we know, you know, what's what's in front of us here, and. Like we said, it was it was nice to win the league. It was nice to go up to Durango and get the win, and then, you know, now we're here and and it's a whole new whole new season for us. And we're excited. As I mentioned during this this five game winning streak, uh, defensively, I think you have to be happy with the way your team's played. You gave up just thirty nine to, to Central in that that first matchup. They give up forty seven on the second one, the double overtime game, but. Held Junction to 31 points. Uh, you held a really good Montrose team to 43 points. Have to be uh, pleased with uh, the, the the way your team is playing on that end of the floor right now, Jake. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the things that you know we've we've talked to the boys. We've focused on their into it, you know. So you know it's it's tough to cover all these you know all conference players over here that we had to cover. Um, you know, it, it, it put us in a spot where I thought as a team we did a really good job covering all these these individual players out here that, you know, that can score and shoot. And so it was it was good to to have those stands, and, and hopefully we can continue that. You know, we're going to have to continue it in order to, to survive this thing. For the Monument Boys basketball coach Jake Kagira joining us. Uh, the Wildcats get 15-8 and eight, uh, Fairview tonight to open up the uh, 6A postseason. And when you look at uh, Fairview, they're in that uh, 6A front-range league where Fossil Ridge went 14-1 and one this season. They went to 12-3 and three in that league. Legacy had a really good season. They went 11-4. and four. So this is a, a really talented Fairview Knights basketball team that you face tonight to open up the 6A postseason. Yeah, yeah, we... Uh... We saw it, and, and you know we we've seen a, a few games of them, and and they can score the ball, and that's that's why you know hopefully we can contest shots and and rebound well, and um, you know because we're gonna have to to play really great defense, or we're gonna have to score at a high rate, um, you know because these guys they shoot it, they shoot it from all over the place, and they get to the rim really well, um, so. So we understand, you know, it's going to be a tough matchup, and, and hopefully, you know, all our boys are ready to go because um, we're we're going to have to we're going to have to get after it on both ends of the floor. And they have two uh, really talented scores: the, the Moskowitz brothers, Elliot, uh, and also Miles. Uh, Elliot's the freshman; he's the leading scorer this season, almost uh, 15 points per game. Uh, Miles is the second leading scorer of the senior at 13 points per game. Uh, Elliot, a little better on the glass than his brother Miles, averaging almost five rebounds per contest and almalmost three assists per game. But uh, Miles Moskowitz, uh, boy, he can uh, he can dish the basketball, three point four assists per game. The Moskowitz brothers are really the the key to the Knights and their success. Yeah, yeah, you know that point guard they have is he's really nice with the ball, and so we have to understand you know spacing and and still be able to close in and. You know, because he can he can score at a high rate as well. So, um, yeah, we understand that. And like, like I said, we're we don't put anyone on an island out here. We're uh, we're going to cover the ball, and and hopefully we can get stops together as a unit, and and then play our our style of basketball on the other end. 
and you have to defend the three. They've had 193s this season uh, with uh, Miles Moskowitz hitting 41. But uh, Owen Foster's been uh, there. They're, they're, excuse me, he's second and made threes this season. He has 44 with Elliot Moskowitz, the, the freshman leading scorer, hitting 57 threes. So they have three guys that are really capable of, of being a problem on the perimeter. Yeah, yeah, and they shoot it from all over the place. So we're going to have to, you know, be aware of where they're at and, and have a hand up and contest shots as, as well as we can. But, yeah, they let that thing loose. They do it at a high rate. And, and like I said, they do it all over the floor, and, and they don't even think about it, man. You can tell those guys they get a lot of shots up or they've gotten a lot in their lifetime because they'll just pull that thing from anywhere. So, you know, hopefully it's going to be a fun one. Hopefully we'll, we can do, you know, we can score or get some stops, man. But it's, I think it's going to be a fun one. Hopefully we can both get up and down the floor and it'll be some good basketball here. For the Monument Boys basketball coach, Jake Aguirre with us, it's obvious that uh, Fairview can score from the outside. What does their inside game look like? You know, I, I feel like we can match up fairly well with them um, on the inside from what we've seen. They, you know, they shoot it a lot. So um, if we can if we can get long rebounds if they miss, um, you know, I think I think with our size and our uh, you know athletic ability and agility out there, I think we can I think we'll be okay on the inside there. So. You know, we'll have to just see how it goes. Hopefully we can stay out of foul trouble. And, and like I said, hopefully we both teams get up and down. And, and it's a fun one. Jake Aguirre, coach of the Fruit of Monument Boys basketball team with us. When you've watched film, Jake, what do they like to try to do defensively? You know, we see a lot of uh, man-to-man from what we've seen. And so, you know, that could change that, you know, you only get a limited amount of film. So, um, you know, that... It, it could change. I mean, like I told the boys, man, they could have gotten film on us and, and they could have a brand new game plan. So we just have to be ready um, and willing to adjust. And, and you know, we're, we should be ready for anything that we can see out on the floor, um, you know, being together this long with these guys. So, you know, we've seen man-to-man, uh, but we are ready for, for anything. Jake, I always appreciate the time. We'll have uh, the Fruit of Monument uh, Fairview game tonight, uh, part of our full-court coverage along with Central, scoring off against Palmer tonight over on 1100 KNZZ, 92.7 FM. Pre-game starts at 545 tonight with full-court coverage brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. Jake, best of luck tonight. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks, man. All right, there's Jake Aguirre, Fruit of Monument coach. As the Wildcats get a uh, pretty uh, talented Fairview basketball team that uh, – it's 193 made threes this season. Uh, it'll be a, a challenge for the Wildcats tonight, but uh, they have uh, guys that are really good defenders in Carter Hines, Max Orchard. Uh, they also have Daniel Thomason, who's such a you know really good defender, but also such a uh, a force inside for the Wildcats. And so that should be a fun one tonight uh, with the Wildcats taking on Fairview. All right, text or call us 970-242-1340. Jim along with the Buckeye Boy from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles as uh, we get ready for, like I said, a very busy Wednesday night in terms of uh, high school basketball and also Colorado Mesa here on the uh, Team CMU Sports Network, both Maverick basketball teams taking on Westminster tonight. I'll give you a quick preview of that. I want to mention, by the way, that 
Maverick freshman Olivia Reed, the RMAC Women's Defensive Player of the Week. She averaged 21 points, 17 rebounds, two blocks per game, and the wins over Highlands and CSU Pueblo. And so, uh, Olivia Reed, congratulations to her on being named the RMAC Defensive Player of the Week. So, uh, the Maverick uh, women's basketball team, they uh, take on Westminster tonight. They lost to the Griffins when they uh, played them a a couple of weeks ago in Salt Lake City. And so, uh, the Mavericks have to slow down Ashley Greenwood. 17 points, uh, who 17 points held the, uh, helped the Griffins beat uh, the Mavericks earlier this season. Taylor Wagner, CMU head coach, says Greenwood leads a very good group of players onto the court for Westminster. Really got to keep her in check. and They're really solid at every position, and, and they're really efficient offensively. We've had a lot of big games with them, and, and I would su- suspect that this one's going to come down right to the end. Both teams are right now in the top eight for the RMAC tournament. Mavericks sitting in seventh place. Pre-game starts at 5.15. Women tip it at 5.30 tonight on the team. The Maverick men, they take on Westminster. They had their 10-game winning streak snapped in Salt Lake City when they when they faced them. The Griffins are really good at home. They're 11-2 and two on their home floor. Yeah, it's really good. Away from Salt Lake City, they are 1-12. That's not good. Mavs coach Mike DeGeorge says they don't expect the road-weary Griffins tonight. They don't, don't, so they don't, uh, uh, they don't take uh, anything for granted with the road-weary Griffins time because they can't overlook anyone at this juncture of the season. I don't know why they've been bad on the road this year, but I think what they've done at home is more representative of, of who they are as a team. And, and we have to play a lot better than we did this weekend if we're going to have success in these last two games. Tip-off, 7.30 for that one tonight. Both Maverick basketball teams at Western Colorado University tomorrow night here on the team CMU Sports Network. And uh, Maverick men hoping that Fort Lewis uh, stumbles this weekend at home, where uh, they could, with the Mavericks, can find a way to to get sweep the game uh, game tonight and tomorrow night against Western Colorado. Fort Lewis drops a game, then the Mavericks would have a chance to host the RMAC uh, postseason tournament. All right, uh, it's nine thirty three. Jim along with the Buckeye boy, Texter call us on this uh, wine about a Wednesday with Talon Wine nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, we go back to 1936. Figure skater Sonia Heine. For you middle school kids out there laughing that her last name was Heine. Uh, She wins her 10th straight World Figure Skating Championship. 1959, Lee Petty driving an Oldsmobile wins the first ever Daytona 500. Also on this day, 1988, Bonnie Blair wins America's second gold medal at the Winter Games in world record time as uh, Bonnie Blair uh, comes away with the, uh, the the victory by two-tenths of a second in the 500-meter speed skating event. Also on this day, 2006, Tiger Woods wins the first nine holes to win first-round match at the Match Play Championship. And last but not least, an iconic moment in American sports history in Olympic sports history. You know what happened this day, Buckeye? What year? We'll go back to the year 1980. Uh, no, actually, I don't. This is the, the day the United States beats the Soviet Union at Lake Placid in hockey in the semifinals. Oh. For some reason, I kept thinking in my mind, it's not Miracle on Ice because that's 84. No, it was 1980. It right? was 1980. So it turns out I did know that. I just Herb brain Brooks, not focusing. if you lose this game, you'll take it to your bleeping grave. Miracle's still one of my favorite movies. 
with Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks. But um, this is the day that they stunned the Soviet Union, winning 4-3 to three to uh, go on to play in the gold medal game to win the Olympic gold medal in ice hockey. All right, 935, Jim along with the Buckeye Boy. Text or call us 970-242-1340. We'll take a break and we'll come back. Some garbage time on the way. Stick around. It's the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Well, why don't you cry about it? Not just crap. The team presents the Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome, welcome back, Jim. Along with the Buckeye Boy. Sorry, my my headphone was uh, askew. It uh, yeah, a little uh, little headphone issue there. There we go. Got that fixed. All right. Thanks for joining us today. Still, uh, if you got something you've been thinking about, you want to uh, you know, get off your chest today. Now's the time to do it. It's a one about a Wednesday with Talon Wine nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty. We'll have a garbage time coming up in just a moment. Tomorrow's program, Mark Johnson, voice of the Buffaloes as always, and uh, we'll also talk with Kyle Crowder, Delta Panthers girls coach, about uh, their win against Inglewood. They have Severance coming up on Friday. But uh, the other day, I had the chance to uh, catch up with uh, Rockies play-by-play voice, Jerry Schimmel, as uh, the Rockies play their first game of spring training coming up on Saturday. Here's our conversation with Rockies play-by-play voice, Jerry Schimmel. That's still yet. You're still over in Denver, uh, but uh, you're heading over there out uh, next week to Scottsdale. Uh, you know, the comments that uh, Kyle Freeland made, uh, of course, pitchers and catchers reported on Wednesday, and Kyle has always been very forthcoming about you know how he feels about you know wanting to compete and wanting this team to win, and he knows he carries a big burden. And he said, you know, first and foremost, it can't be okay to lose. Over the years, we have talked about it, and we have kind of become complacent with ourselves. I, I think he expresses probably the frustration for, for Rockies fans for at times probably you and, and Jack calling games that, uh, boy, you feel like the talent's there at times for the Rockies. Yeah, I get it. The National League West is loaded. But the expectation, I think, is that this team can be better than what it is. There's no question about it, Jim. And I think uh, if they don't, every player, uh, every coach in an organization ought to reflect and, and echo what, what Kyle Freeland's saying. And losing is unacceptable. You go into a season and you, and you expect to lose, you're going to lose. And, you know, I love what Kyle's saying. He's always been that way. He's always been the guy that, hey, give me the ball and let me lead. And, and let, me, let me be the guy who helps turn this thing around. So I, I love what he said, and he, he's very sincere about it. I, 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 you know, we're not great friends, but hanging around, you know, the last several years with Kyle, I can tell you he means that. He's very sincere about what he says. And you know, he's had a great career. He's had a solid career as a hometown guy. But he wants to win like everybody else, and now maybe that's that time. So, And I was uh, thinking about this this morning, Jim. Every year, you know this. We all know this. In baseball, there are teams that don't expect to do anything, and they, they have a good season. There's teams that you expect to be really good, and they have off seasons. Let's hope that this year expectations are so low for the Rockies that they're one of those teams that surprises people and becomes a better team than they, they expect to be. Jerry Schimmel from the Rockies Radio Network with us today on the Team Sports Network. And, and it begins, look, with Chris Bryant being healthy and Chris Bryant being productive. Uh, Chris says he's 100% ready. And, of course, signed the seven-year, $182 million contract uh, with the Rockies. Only played in 42 games last year because of the lower back injury. 
and he had plantar fasciitis. Chris Bryant, they, they keep talking about him being, you know, the, the 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 centerpiece of this team, being the aircraft carrier of this team. They've got to have a healthy Chris Bryant this year if they're going to have the kind of turnaround that I think you're hoping for, I hope for, Rockies fans in general are, are hoping for in 2023. Yeah, no question about it, Jim. And I, I think last year going into the season, the one guy that they couldn't afford to lose to an injury was probably Chris Bryant. They don't have a firepower offense like they've had in the past, and Chris is going to be the cornerstone of that offense with C.J. Cohn probably. And C.J. ended up having a good year, at least the first half of it, but they needed Bryant in there. And when he played, I think the team didn't have a winning record, but I think they were 20-22. and 22. So when, they, when he played, when he was in lineup, they were a pretty decent team. And so that's going to be the key for them again in 2023 is to have Chris Bryant healthy. There are other keys as well. We know that. Uh, the young guys have to develop at a quick pace. Guys like Tobar at short and you know some other guys maybe taking a step up a little bit, like the second baseman. So, um, I, you know, Randall Gritch is, is already hurt. He's not going to begin the year probably in the outfield. But you've got to have guys healthy, and you've got to have young guys develop quickly, and you especially have to have Chris Bryant in the lineup almost every day. How excited are you to see Ezekiel Tovar on an extended yeah. time with the, with the Rockies, with the big league team? I think that might be my number one uh, source of excitement going to spring training, to be honest with you, Jim. I really am, because we saw flashes of it last year. He he took his lumps uh, in that short amount of time that he was a big leaguer last year, which every almost everybody does. There are few, very few, you know, Madison Bumgarners that emerge on the scene and start dominating right away in, in Major League Baseball. But this guy's got all the tools. He's got power. He's got... Uh, average. He's got the great arm. He's got the great. He's got speed. He's got great defensive ability. So that's probably the guy I'm most most forward most looking forward to watching develop this season, especially starting spring training. Yeah, at 21 years and 53 days, he was the youngest yeah. position player to make his debut in franchise history. The second youngest overall. I mean, he hits a home run off of future Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw. It was a uh, you know a, a great start in regard to uh, Tovar and uh, his debut you know, in San Diego. He's made his debut there. He played the nine games, including, of course, uh, the game at Dodger Stadium when he hit the home run off Clayton Kershaw. That no pressure, right? Just has to uh, step into the shadow of Troy Tulowitzki, Trevor Story. No problem for Ezekiel Tovar, right? Easy peasy. <laughs> you know, it seems like, Jim, and, and everybody said this when, before he came up. The front office said this about him that if there's somebody that can handle all that, it would be him. He doesn't seem to be too big for the moment or the moment too big for him. And he's, he's always been that steady, re- really focused guy. And I don't think the, the, the big leagues or stepping in somebody's shoes is going to bother him at all. I think he's his own guy. And I think that comes with success, and he's had that in the minor leagues. He's had injuries, but he's had great success as well, put up great numbers. But he's always impressed people with his athleticism, his ability, but also his composure and his outlook and his attitude. So I really feel, and I don't know the guy. I've talked to him one time through an interpreter. um, But everybody says, hey, if there's somebody that can handle that kind of thing, it would be Ezekiel Tovar. From the Rockies Radio Network, Jerry Schimmel joining us today on the Team Sports Network. So Tovar is the most you know, the, the most intriguing part for you of, of spring training, Jerry. What would be the, the second storyline that you're interested in following when you get down to talking stick? You know, I think it's probably what the bullpen is going to look like. And that's going to emerge right now. We know what the back end of it looks like. And, the, and the, you know, that's another piece the Rockies have. They have a great closure. 
mean, there are pieces to this team. There's a, there's a solid starting rotation. There's a great closer. And there are some other pieces like Tobar that need to develop for this team to be surprising. But there are pieces there. The pieces of the bullpen haven't quite emerged as fitting yet. So I think that's going to be intriguing for me. Who's in the front end? Who are the left-handers? Who are going to be the, the seventh-inning guys and the eighth-inning guys and maybe the, the long reliever? And I don't think any of that's determined right now. So you've got injuries in the bullpen, but you've got also talent in the bullpen. So to see how all that comes together, I think it's going to be really intriguing for me. We're talking with Jerry Schimmel, Rockies Radio Network, with us on the Jim Davis Show. Jerry, baseball's having these rule changes. they got the bigger bases. The defensive shift is gone. The pitch clock change. Do you see anything, as it specifically relates to the Rockies, that these rules could have an impact on the team? And and more broadly, what kind of impact do you think these changes will have on baseball? Yeah, I think, I think first with the Rockies, it's probably going to be like every other team. You're going to have to make some major adjustments. They got some, some starting pitchers, especially, who work pretty quickly. Armand um, Marquez is probably not going to have a, a much of a problem with the with the pitch clock, but guys like Kyle Freeland, who like to slow down a little bit, are going to have to make adjustments. So I think it's going to be fascinating in spring training to see how the pitch clock affects the game. And Major League Baseball is saying, you know what, we're coming out, we're not giving anybody any grace. We're going to enforce those rules from the first game of spring training, which is a week from tomorrow, and we'll see what happens after that. So the adjustments that the Rocks other teams have to make, I think, is really going to be intriguing. I think with the the limited number of times you can throw to first base, along with the bigger uh, bag at first base, the bigger the bigger base, I think there's going to be a lot more emphasis on stealing, on speed, which means the other team has to have a premium with its catching and its defensive catching and its and it's, uh, its arm as a catcher. So I think that's where the Rockies struggled some last year, throwing runners out. They're going to have to be better that way this year, 2023, to keep up with these rule changes. But I think that's what the focus is going to be on. There are going to be games in spring training and the regular season, especially the beginning. They're going to be decided on these rule changes, on whether teams adapt to them and execute them or not. And people will be a little up in arms at that beginning of the season, but I think it's going to be good in the long run for baseball. So really intrigued by the new rules and how teams adjust. So, Jeremy, have you take your headset off for a moment and put your ball cap on, like when you were coaching at, at, at Metro back in the day. Say you're in the dugout and you're Bud Black. Which of these rules would you absolutely hate if you managed a Major League Baseball team? Oh, man, I, I think for me it would be, as a former player, Jim, I think it would be um, – knowing you have to be ready you can't as a hitter and and I, I wasn't a pitcher I was a position player as an infielder and I think for me it was you know you can't step out you you, you can't take your time you can't adjust your batting gloves you can't you got to get in there be ready to hit so for me that would be the toughest thing I think as a pitcher there's probably more adjustments than than the hitters but for me personally it would be well, I got to get my guy ready to hit, and if I'm hit, if I'm playing, I got to be ready to hit as well as a position player. So that's the one that I think is really interesting to me. And then the other one is I, I think um, pitch outs. You know, if you throw it over the first twice, all right. If you throw over there the third time, don't get the guy out. It's a balk. He gets second base automatically. So with the count that's maybe two and zero, oh, do you pitch out or do you you pitch to that bit hitter? So. I think that's a big decision that a manager has to make as well. It's going to be really intriguing. There's different parts of the game. They're going to be managed differently now with Bud Black and the rest of his gang as managers, and I think it's going to be really intriguing to see how that all plays out. 
And look, I'm sure you're happy. And many of us, you know, while the things have been rough for the Rockies, I think Bud Black has done a really nice job managing this team. Nice to see Bud get that extension. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, if there's somebody that probably deserves an extension with a team that hasn't won in a couple of years, it's probably Bud Black. You wonder where this team might be without him because he's always been that manager. You know this, Jim. In his time in, in San Diego, his teams are always overachieving. And I think they've probably done that, even though they haven't been very good with the Rockies the last couple of years. So I, I'm glad the Rockies recognize that. I know there were a lot of people from the outside organization, even other front office anonymous personnel who said, Bud Black should be fired. You need a new general manager. You need a new manager. I think the Rockies are smart to recognize they have a good manager and they're keeping that manager. All right, that's Jerry Schimmel. Enjoyed talking with Jerry the other day. Of course, we'll have Rockies baseball this spring right here on the Team Sports Network. Schimmel off the Buckeye Boy today. Text or call us 970-242-1340. And uh, come once again, give you a rundown of what's happening tonight because it's a very busy night tonight. Here on the team, we'll have Colorado Mesa basketball against Westminster. Women's pregame at 515. They'll tip it to 530 men at 730 tonight. And then over on 1100 KNZZ, it's our full court coverage brought to you by Ken Richards State Farm Insurance. That starts at 545. Rio will be out at uh, Central with the uh, Warriors uh, taking on Palmer. Greg Wentzel will be out at Fruita Monument with the Wildcat Boys scoring off against Fairview. And then on the Monkey with Larry Newland and Pat Hooley, it's the Montrose Boys basketball team. They face Harrison pregame at 645 for that one tonight, 7 o'clock tip. And then you can follow the Delta game, the Delta Boys they play at Ken Denver at 5.30 tonight, and you can go to 957themonkey.com, click on the Highway 50 Game of the Week link, and uh, the stream is there for Mark Cantor's call of the Delta Boys tonight. Got a uh, wine about a Wednesday from Tyler today. I got a wine about today about the Broncos wanting to trade Garrett Bowles, was one of my all-time favorite players. You placed through my favorite NFL team and played and played for place for my favorite NFL team and played for Utah, which is my favorite college team. And it just sucks when you fall in love with a player and then their name comes up for a trade. Hope it's just a rumor. Let's see. Um, speaking of Kurt Russell, I believe God has the same voices that he does. I think that's a reference to something that I'm not, I don't I'm, really know. I'm not sure either. But thank you, Tyler, for uh, the, the text today. Haven't heard anything new about uh, the Garrett Bowles possibility being traded? Thing for the Broncos, you're, you know, the Cortland Sutton's names come up. You're you're looking at rebuilding your roster, and and those are veteran players that you could probably get some draft compensation for. Denver, the offensive line has to improve, though. It's got to get better. Mm-hmm. And trading Garrett Bowles, sorry. Tyler might be part of that. All right, uh, let's wrap it up with some garbage time this morning. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. And you'll pick a winner for uh, Wine About a Wednesday with Talon One, correct? I will. Okay, you've got that. It may be Tyler. (laughs) Could very well be Tyler. All right, uh, the L.A. Dodgers. They've had a pretty quiet offseason so far, but they... uh, made one interesting addition. They hired J.T. Watkins. And you're going, who's J.T. Watkins? Well, he played a role in the Boston Red Sox cheating scandal in 2018. He was the video replay coordinator and helped decode the signs of opponents. 
So what's you know it's when the rules to decode opponent signs using video before after games or during games so long as technology isn't involved. Watkins used video technology during games, which is illegal. He's also the one who helped to relay information to the Red Sox dugout, which was the infamous Apple Watch scandal. So he now has a job with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Apparently that was not enough to get him permanently uh, kicked out of the league. Also, Matt Ryan looks like he could be making a career change that uh, Matt Ryan's very interested in pursuing a broadcasting gig when his playing days are over. He's still under contract with the Colts, but there's a chance, there's some word out there, that Matt Ryan might call it quits in the next few weeks and go into broadcasting. I like Matt Ryan's chances of succeeding in broadcasting more than Rob Gronkowski's. Agreed. Do you have anything? Uh, No, I don't. Okay. I will... I will soldier on here. Yes, we uh, we punted because uh, Tyler doesn't actually consume the beverage, so uh-huh. we give uh, the wine to Rob this morning. Okay, very good. Thank you for the text nonetheless, Tyler. Mm-hmm. We appreciate that. Uh, one more, that uh, an ex-Chief star defends Eric Bieniemy against LaShawn McCoy's criticism. McCoy played for the Chiefs for one season as bashed Bieniemy on numerous occasions. Well, the enemy was named the uh, offensive coordinator of the Washington Commanders and assistant head coach. McCoy questioned whether the enemy can succeed without Andy Reid, and the enemy had nothing to do with the passing game at all in Kansas City. But Jamal Charles, who was there one time, Broncos says that's not true. The enemy played a significant role. 